Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we are back, folks, on the Michigan Insider, michigan.247sports.com. I'm Alejandro Suniga here with the latest edition of Behind Enemy Lines. And it's going to be a great game this weekend. And for that, I have a great guest. Happy to have along with me Daniel Gallen, who covers Penn State, football, and all things Nittany Lines over at our 24-7 site. Uh, Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to be here, Alejandro. Yeah, it's going to be, and we're, we're excited to have you up in Ann Arbor this weekend. Uh, this is one of those games that it's been circled on the calendar uh, for weeks now, and as the days have been getting closer, it just feels like an even bigger game. Uh, it's top 10 Penn State, number 10 Penn State against number five Michigan. One of those games where you feel like not only is it going to have major implications for the Big Ten East race, certainly going to have big big implications for the conference title and then also potentially for the college football playoff. You know, there are only a few games of these every year and, and this it's shaping up to be a fantastic game. So excited for it. Uh, Penn State comes into this game off a of bye week. Uh, they're 5-0. They have a couple of really impressive wins, including opening the season with a win at Purdue. Uh, but also going down uh, into SEC country and really dominating Auburn. Now, Auburn isn't one of those teams that this year uh, is, you know, is what you typically think of when you think Auburn football, uh, but it's it's still going down to SEC country for a marquee non-conference game, one that Michigan, uh, for its part, didn't really have this year, uh, and winning 41-12. to That's really impressive. Uh, So, so Dan, I I want to toss it over to you. It's been... It's been 10 months or so since Michigan last saw Penn State. Uh, these are two programs that, you know, it, it's really, it's been Ohio State's conference for the most part for the past decade, but uh, Michigan and Penn State are two of those programs that are often right up there, you know, right up there as top 15, top 10 programs, uh, and both have dethroned Ohio State uh, at various times over the past decade. Uh, and these are two programs that are big, prominent national brands, a lot of shared history, a lot of very memorable games since Penn State joined the Big Ten. Uh, but over these past 10 months, uh, it's been it's been uh, quite newsworthy, uh, both with a James Franklin extension, you know, with a really solid start to the season. Kind of catch us up uh, for, for those who haven't really followed the program that closely, uh, what the Penn State football program has been like recently. It's definitely been kind of trying to build back from how last season ended. Um, Penn State lost uh, six of their final eight games last year after that 5-0 and start. Um, the Michigan game was one of those uh, in November at Beaver Stadium. Um, I think less than two weeks after that, uh, James Franklin got his 10-year contract extension, 
um, which had been uh, in the works for a while and uh, finally got out there before Thanksgiving. Um, and so a big thing this offseason was looking at what Penn State could do differently, how they could change things up a little bit um, and how they could, you know, just rebound from how these past two years went. Um, Penn State was 11 and 11 um, through the 2020 season and the 2021 season, um, especially when you look at how last year ended after getting as high as number four um, in the country. So. I think a a big thing that Penn State was trying to do coming into this year was figure out how to duplicate some of that early season success that they had um, and keep it going. Um, A big theme is depth. Um, That was really what cost Penn State last year. They didn't have a backup quarterback um, uh, when Sean Clifford went down at Iowa. Um, And then you look at other spots, PJ Mustafer, the big defensive tackle, went also went down against Iowa. They had a couple guys who got valuable experience, but um, from that time on, uh, the run defense and kind of the defense as a whole was still solid, but it wasn't the same. Um, They were really missing that big body up front. Um, So, and at running back, they had guys banged up. They had trouble finding consistency. Um, Last year, one of their projected starters on the offensive line got hurt, Salim Wormley. He's starting this year. He got hurt in the preseason Um, That kind of set the offensive line uh, back a little bit. Um, So I think a big thing was trying to get a lot of young guys playing time. Uh, Penn State's already burned six red shirts this year after burning only two all of last year Um, and just really build that depth so that they can withstand um, whatever, you know, comes uh, this year. And so far, they've done a good job of that. Um, They've avoided the injury bug for the most part, um, and they've gotten young guys valuable experience and I think that you look at the first five weeks of the season, obviously that game against Auburn was a big road win. Um, obviously the win at Purdue was really big um, because you start 0-1 in the conference, especially when you're in the Big Ten East. Uh, that's a really, really you know long uphill battle. But I think a lot of what Penn State has been doing is just really building towards this weekend and this month. Penn State had the bye week at, at Michigan versus Minnesota versus Ohio State in the next three weeks. This is a stretch that can make or break a season, especially for a program that has Big Ten aspirations, that has national aspirations. Uh, So this is kind of, you know, these past 10 months, uh, this is kind of what it's been building towards. This is what, um, this is kind of make or break for Penn State. This is where we find out who they really are, who Sean Clifford really is, what this Manny Diaz defense really is. Um, And it starts this weekend uh, in Ann Arbor. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true for, for both programs, really. I mean, I, I'm looking at Penn State and looking at Michigan, and it's like, especially for Michigan, which didn't really face anyone of any you know decent caliber uh, in the non-conference season, I, I think we get the sense that both Penn State and Michigan are pretty good, if not really good football teams. Uh, but this is the stretch when you get into the meat of the Big Ten schedule, when you're getting into that gauntlet of well, for Penn State, uh, especially right now, it's it's Michigan, like you mentioned, and then it's Minnesota, and then it's Ohio State. Like those are three very good programs, especially Michigan and Ohio State, uh, where this stretch is going to define what that season looks like. And similar for Michigan, it's if you want to defend your Big Ten title, you have to you 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 sort of have to beat Penn State. You know, it, it's what happened last year. It was. If Michigan doesn't beat Penn State last year, it doesn't have a chance 
to beat Ohio State and move on uh, to the Big Ten championship game. So this is really, it's one of those really, really special games. I think Michigan, uh, as an athletic department, has really uh, leaned into it. Uh, if you're coming to the game this weekend, Daniel, I know you are, but there's going, I mean, it's a maze out, uh, number one. There's going to be a flyover. They're welcoming the 1997 national championship team, which, by the way, had a really memorable win over, uh, over Penn State and Ohio State. Uh, they're welcoming them back uh, to celebrate the 25th anniversary of their national title. Uh, they're rededicating uh, the the Michigan Stadium tunnel after Lloyd Carr. Uh, so a lot, you know, it's uh, Michael Phelps is going to be the honorary <laughs> captain. You know, and it goes on and on. There's a, I think it's a nine-time Grammy Award winner is going to be joining the halftime show. Like this is one of the marquee big games of the college football season, certainly of Michigan's home season. And Michigan is really leaning into it. It's part of the reason I'm so excited. I, I can't stop smiling thinking about it because, like, let's be honest, having gone to UConn, Colorado State, uh, and Hawaii as home games, like, it, this, I just get this energy, uh, even though it's only Wednesday as we're recording this. Uh, but looking at what Penn State's going to bring to the big house, you know, there's, there's a lot of new names uh, and a lot of familiar ones. I think one of the more familiar ones across the whole Big Ten is Sean Clifford. You know, he's a guy that I, I think it it's easy as if you're a Michigan fan to look at like a rival's quarterback and not like them. I think no matter who you are, if you're a fan, if you're a member of the media, if you're a player, you have to look at Sean Clifford and have a bit of respect for the fact that he took and he continues to take so many hits and somehow just comes back and plays even better. You know, we saw that against Auburn. He took a huge hit and then came back and led, you know, an offense to a 41-point outing. Uh, similar sort of thing where he missed a series, I think it was against Purdue, came back and helped lead a game-winning touchdown drive. So he's the, he's the leader of the offense, but then there's a couple of young running backs uh, behind an offensive line that has improved. And I think that's, that's really when you look at Penn State this year, it's, there's a running game where there wasn't one last year. There's an offensive line that maybe not fantastic, but is better than what there was last year. Uh, kind of break down the Penn State offense, starting with Sean Clifford, who's been solid, but that now there's other weapons uh, kind of in the ground game that take some of the weight off of his shoulders. Definitely. I, I think that a lot of Penn State's fate, like you know almost every other college football team in America, hinges on how the quarterback plays, uh, and that's big for Sean Clifford. Um, I think through the early part of the season, we saw him play some really clean games. Um, that Auburn game, I think he was 14 of 19 for 178 yards. Um, one of his better outings, there were no kind of, oh, no moments uh, in the press box. Um, and even in the Purdue game, he had that pick six, which, you know, was not a good play at all. But he bounced back um, and was able to lead that game winning touchdown drive late. Um, the Northwestern game and the Central Michigan game, these past two weeks we've seen a couple more of those you know bad decisions um he had one interception against northwestern which was just his second of the year should have had at least one more but got helped out by uh you know some rain and and the defensive backs of northwestern so i think it all starts with sean clifford um kind of like it's the thing where it seems like a cop-out but it's hard to play college football it's hard to be a, a college a quarterback in college football and I think Sean Clifford is 
you know, a perfectly fine quarterback. Um, I think that you kind of know what the ceiling is. And a big question for this year was whether he was going to raise the ceiling. And this is one of the games where we find out the same time. He doesn't have to do as much as he had to do uh, past couple of years. Um, the two young running backs, uh, freshman Nick Singleton, five star uh, from Pennsylvania and Katron Allen, um, a four star out of Virginia by way of IMG Academy. They've really, really boosted uh, what Penn State is able to do. Uh, Singleton is averaging 7.3 yards per carry. Uh, he has five touchdowns. He is the home run threat um, that Penn State has not had in uh, since 2019. Uh, Singleton can get to the edge. He can outrun defensive backs. Uh, him just running away, the visual of him running away from SEC defensive backs at Auburn uh, was something that Penn State hasn't seen in a long time. Um, and he is a very violent runner. Um, he can run over you. Um, you know, he can get some tough yards. I think that there are still some freshman issues with him trying to bounce it to the outside, a lot of running horizontal instead of north south. But it's that type of thing where, all right, like I'll take three, three runs a game that gets stopped for a loss because you know that there's a chance you can get a 40, 50, 60, 70 yarder um, out of him at any time. Katron Allen. Uh, didn't come in with the same accolades necessarily, but Penn State's coaching staff raved about him from the jump since he got here in January. A lot of that has to do with the fact that he was at IMG, so he was kind of familiar with the college setup already. Um, but watching him play uh, is just, it's a lot of fun. He's such a patient runner. He's so smooth. He can just kind of find feel out the holes. Um, it took until the fifth game of the season before he had a run that was stopped for a loss. Um, which is really big for for a freshman. Um, he's also interesting from the perspective of uh, his nickname is Fat Man. Um, and he came in, he was listed at 225 pounds. Uh, Penn State updated its, its roster two or three weeks ago. He was down to 201 pounds. Um, so he is a little bit of a different back than I think we were expecting to see. Um, but that vision, that patience, that lateral quickness really helps him get good yards inside, even if he isn't necessarily the type of bruiser um, that we thought he was in front of them. Uh, the, I think a lasting memory of the Penn state offensive line from 2021 is definitely the Michigan game um, with Sean Clifford taking such a beating. Um, Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, uh, they lived in that backfield. Um, Rashid Walker was the left tackle last year. He's in the NFL. Uh, Olu Fashionu is a redshirt sophomore who has stepped in for him and he is really you know, I think he's risen uh, above the level that Rashid Walker was playing at last year. Um, Vashinu has looked really, really good. Um, he's big. He's quick. Um, it's kind of the thing where with offensive linemen, where when you're not thinking about them, that means they're probably doing a pretty good job. Um, and Vashinu is someone who hasn't really been on the wrong side of uh, you know a lot of highlights this year. On the right side, Caden Wallace is back again. Um, and he was someone who had some really, really rough uh, reps against Michigan last year. Um, and there are some questions about him coming into the year. He got beat badly um, in the fourth quarter against Purdue, uh, was removed from the game for Bryce Effner after that. Um, but Wallace has really stabilized uh, himself and has really kind of risen back up. They, they still rotate Effner in at right tackle. But I think that just as a whole, the Penn State offensive line is just much, much better than than we saw a, a year ago. And that helps the running game. That helps the pass game, helps the offense as a whole. Big Ten cliche that starts in the trenches. 
Um, but Penn State has really been able to to elevate that so far. So I think those are kind of the, the key beats of this offense. You look at the offensive line. Um, also got to mention, I mentioned Sleem Wormley earlier. He's played really well at right guard. Um, and Juice Scruggs at center, uh, a fifth-year senior. He has the most experience uh, of anyone on that line other than Wallace. Um, and he's really raised his level too. Uh, one thing I that really stood out to me in watching uh, James Franklin's press conference this week is he was talking about you know, facing a Michigan defensive line that has actually uh, produced a lot of sacks despite, you know, losing the David Ojabo, losing the Aiden Hutchinson that you mentioned. Uh, one thing he said is, you know, a lot of teams Michigan has faced have put themselves or been put by the score. You know, if they're, they're trailing, they've been put into obvious passing situations that have really let Michigan tee off, you know, bring their exotic blitzes, bring some pressure, uh, so one thing that he seemed to emphasize uh, for the Penn State offense this this week is going to be that they really are going to lean on their running game as a way, you know, not only to maybe get those big shots and hit those home runs with Singleton, uh, but also as a way to protect the passing game uh, and to to keep Michigan's defense on its heels a little bit. Certainly, I think Penn State has the skills to do so, uh, given the number of weapons on offense. You know, well, one thing you didn't touch on there uh, is, is the passing offense too, right? Like we, we, Sean Clifford, as you mentioned, he's a perfectly capable quarterback. He's a guy who uh, can extend plays. He can take some hits. He can find guys downfield. Uh, I think last year, uh, Michigan fans probably still have some nightmares of Jahan Dotson, uh, as, do, as, as does most, most of the Big Ten for that matter, as a guy where it just felt like, you know, every time the ball went in his direction, he was going to pull out a, pull out a catch in some capacity. Uh, it doesn't seem like the receivers are quite to that level this year. I know there were hopes that Parker Washington, uh, who Michigan saw last year, that he would take a step up. I think he has 20 catches, uh, 290 or so yards, but he, he doesn't have a touchdown yet this year. Uh, I know Brenton Strange as a tight end has been a reliable option. Uh, there's a transfer, Mitchell Tinsley. I think he came from Western Kentucky, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the, there has been a lot of talk about the running game. I guess quickly, uh, are, are there any other threats in the passing game I haven't mentioned? Uh, someone you think is really stepping up? James Franklin talked about this a little bit on on Tuesday in terms of needing to get explosive plays in the passing game, um, needing to get vertical, uh, you know, that vertical passing game. And he said, even if it's a, a short pass that someone takes, you know, takes 60 yards, that that's something Penn State needs. That's what Jahan Dotson did last year. Uh, and Penn State hasn't really had anyone really step up and be that consistent option. I mean, Parker Washington has led the wide receivers in catches and yards in each of the past four games, and it has not felt like that at all. Um, I think there are a lot of high hopes that he could take that leap, you know, take that next step forward. He's still a perfectly capable slot receiver. Um, and I think that I've been kind of had him circled as a potential breakout player for maybe the past three or four weeks and hasn't quite come yet. Um, but I think Mitchell Tinsley is someone that um, could really play a key role here. Transfer from Western Kentucky, put up bonkers numbers for the Hilltoppers last year. I think 87 catches, 1400 yards, 14 touchdowns uh, was second on the team in all of those statistics, too, uh, given what Western Kentucky was doing. But he's a veteran. He's reliable. He's got three touchdown catches. He's in the right place. Um, I think that this is kind of the the type of game that he can really, you know, make a difference with, with the way that he plays. 
Keandre Lambert Smith is the third starting wide receiver. Uh, he got banged up uh, against Northwestern was in a boot coming off the field. Um, it's not season ending, but James Franklin said they're hopeful he's back this year they're, this week. They're not sure yet. Um, he's someone that has that talent. He's a game breaker um, against Purdue. He had a 29 yard uh, touchdown catch where caught a slant over the middle and then just accelerated and ran away from everyone. Uh, last year, he was kind of the the only vertical threat they had in the passing game outside of Dotson. Uh, he's just wildly inconsistent, um, has been plagued by the drops and some really bad cases this year. So um, we might not see him on Saturday. And then at that point, you're looking at redshirt freshman Trey Wallace, uh, who has been all potential this year. We've heard really, really good things about him, but hasn't really come over to the field. You know, seven catches, 86 yards. Um, and Omari Evans is a fresh, true freshman. Uh, his redshirt is burned. He's got four, three speed. Um, he can be someone who takes the top off the defense, but that's someone who is really young. So you're kind of in, in wait and see there. So the passing game is, you know, you lose Jahan Dotson. And I think that the thoughts was going to be that, all right, like we're not going to replace Jahan Dotson with just one guy. We're really going to need to, um, you know, go down the depth chart. Uh, I think James Franklin said that they had the potential to be too deep at all three spots, but they haven't quite gotten a, a top six rotating through. So I'm really curious to see how that how that matchup works because um, you're going to need some sort of big play. Um, Brenton Strange has been great this year. I think that of any Penn State offensive player outside of like the offensive line as a unit, Strange is someone who's really raised the level of his game. Um, he's got more yards and more touchdowns on fewer catches than he did all last year. Um, he's really reliable. Clifford looks for him in the red zone. They use him in some unique ways, given that he is a de facto fullback um, at times. So I think Strange is someone who has kind of picked up that slack. But yeah, I mean, the Big Ten <laughs> nightmares about Jahan Dotson. There's no one on on this offense that really in the passing game, at least I think Singleton can make you have some nightmares, but there's no one in this passing game that, that really is that, is that threat is that dangerous right now. All right. With that, we're going to take a quick break, come back and talk about the Penn state defense uh, and then an X factor and a score prediction. eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And we're back, folks, on the Michigan Insider, michigan.247sports.com. Alejandro Suniga here with Daniel Gallen, who covers Penn State football for 24-7, previewing uh, the top 10 matchup between the Nittany Lions and the Wolverines this Saturday afternoon, big noon Saturday, a maze out at Michigan Stadium. Uh, we just finished talking in depth about the Penn State offense. Uh, Want to change gears here and talk about the defense. Uh, Nittany Lions, uh, they're led by first-year defensive coordinator in Manny Diaz. Well, not first-year defensive coordinator, but first year with the program anyway, uh, following a stint down in Miami. Uh, defensive line uh, is led by nose tackle, veteran nose tackle in P.J. Mustafer, who has come back from an injury uh, and seems to be playing at a high level. Uh, and then a player who really stood out to me, well, stood out in a bad way, maybe the first week uh, against Purdue. This is Abdul Carter, uh, a freshman linebacker who on his, I believe it was the very first snap of his college career, uh, committed a somewhat dubious, uh, but but still penalized targeting call that uh, he was ejected from the game. But he's a guy who's really impressed me. Uh, he's, you know, he's a hard hitting, you know, you know, very fast, very good instincts for a linebacker uh, and has looked, you know, a true freshman linebacker. That That's a tough position. He's looked pretty good at it. Uh, in, in terms of the, the Penn State defense, Daniel, I guess if you could give us uh, just a quick overview, what's it looked like under Manny Diaz? Uh, I know there are a lot of big names, some that I just mentioned. Also want to throw out there Joey Porter Jr., who's a familiar name across the Big Ten. Uh, had, does it look much different than last year? Uh, it does seem m- much like any year it, when you're facing Penn State, you're expecting a lot of really good athletes, a very strong secondary. Uh, and this year, Penn State has also been really strong up front. It's definitely a, a lot different than what we've seen in the past. Uh, Brent Pry had been working with James Franklin dating back to their Vanderbilt days. Um, and so you had, you had 11 years uh, of data of what the Penn State defense looked like uh, under Brent Pry or what a James Franklin defense looked like under Brent Pry the eight years at Penn State. Uh, and it was pretty similar. You were going to get a, a 4-3 um, where sometimes they would rotate a nickel in for the Sam linebacker, um, but you know, not a lot of blitzes, um, trying to get pressure with that front four. Um, and you kind of knew what you were going to get uh, from the personnel. Not a lot of, uh, I don't want to say not a lot of creativity, but it, they just knew what they were good at and they rolled with it. Um, when they brought in Manny Diaz, a big selling point was that he ran, a, a, you know, he used similar personnel to what Penn State already had. Um, I think for a program like Penn State, that was a, a big emphasis given, especially given how they've recruited on the defensive side of the ball. There's some really good athletes, uh, some very highly regarded guys on that side. So they wanted to keep some continuity there, but the one thing that has really impressed me with Manny Diaz is the the willingness to mix and match personnel. Um, There's a lot of questions about uh, the safety battle to replace Traquan Brisker. Um, Zaki Wheatley, Keaton Ellis, Jalen Reed, a Detroit guy, uh, were the three guys that were vying to start next to Jair Brown. And they all bring something different. They're all you know very solid. They all could have won the starting job. And so you were kind of like, all right, how's that going to work out? What are you going to do with the guys who don't win the job? How, you know, are you going to rotate whatever Penn State just puts all four of them on the field? Um, that's kind of what they've used their depth on the back end. 
Um, they were rolling with this seven defensive back package for a while called Prowler, where Jair Brown would line up essentially as a middle linebacker. After a couple of weeks, they modified that to six defensive backs, and they're putting Abdul Carter out there next to Curtis Jacobs, which arguably gives you your two best athletes at linebacker on the field at the same time, even on a traditional depth chart, they play the same position. Um, so Manny Diaz has really shown a willingness to get guys on the field uh, to get them into good positions and and let them make plays. I think Carter is a huge example of that, where they're letting him get in there. He's making plays. He's making the most of it. Um, and in a recruiting class that had three five stars, Drew Aller, the quarterback, Nick Singleton, the running back, Denai Dennis Sutton, the defensive end, Abdul Carter has probably been the most talked about um, of these guys. Um, obviously, Nick Singleton has been the most productive, but Carter is the one who I think has surprised people the most um, and has really, really raised the ceiling on his career. So there's a lot of guys uh, on this team. They've recruited well. They're going to play a ton, um, you know, a ton of guys. They go five deep at cornerback. Um, I mentioned they're playing all four safeties. Uh, they'll go six deep, even sometimes seven deep at linebacker. Uh, same thing up front. I think they can go eight deep maybe nine deep with some of the guys they've gotten back uh, on the defensive line. So you're going to see a lot of bodies rotated through. And I think against a team like Michigan that plays physical can grind you out sometimes. I think that's something that can, that can bode well for Penn state. Yeah, that should be very interesting. And that's something that Michigan likes to do as well in terms of rotating players out, you know, they've, you know, Michigan, especially on its defensive line with its, with, with its edge position uh, has been able to rotate pretty heavily uh, and in a way, almost the defensive line wears down the offensive line by the end of the game, because, you know, I think back to uh, back to the Indiana game last week. And I just I in fact, I asked uh, Michigan's defensive line coach, Mike Elston, about this today. Like, did you feel like you were wearing down their offensive line because you were able to rotate and they were just keeping their five same offensive linemen? And he said, well, yeah, basically, we've got fresh bodies in all the time. And uh, certainly sounds like that's something that. Uh, that Penn State is doing this year under Manny Diaz is not only fresh bodies, uh, but also being a little bit more creative in putting their best athletes, their best players out there, even if, you know, the label next to their name, the position label next to their name might might make you think that they don't belong on the field at the same time. Well, all right. I'm, I'm very excited, Daniel, for, for this game, uh, for you to be at Michigan Stadium this weekend. Uh, like I said, this is one of those that uh, that you circle on the calendar weeks and months in advance. And certainly, at least at this point, seems like it's going to live up to its billing. Uh, I want to get your perspective, uh, lastly, as what do you think could be an X factor for this game and what your prediction is in terms of does Penn State, you know, it's a, I believe it's a seven-point spread or thereabouts. Uh, do they have what it takes to come in on the road and knock off a top-five Michigan program? I think for the X factor, I'm going to go with the Penn State pass rush. Um, obviously, we know Michigan likes to establish the run on the ground. Um, I think Blake Corum at this point is a running back who's established himself as someone uh, who's going to get his. Um, he's going to get yards. He's going to make plays. You can try to limit that. And I think Penn State will do a good job um, of limiting that. But I look to the pass rush, especially against a, court, a younger quarterback like J.J. McCarthy, um, who has a lot of talent, who has some athleticism back there. Um, but I want to see if Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac can get after the quarterback. Um, 
you look at Penn State's sack numbers, um, deny Dennis Sutton, the freshman, leads the team with three sacks. Two of those are in the fourth quarter against Central Michigan. One of those was in the fourth quarter um, against Auburn. Uh, second on the team in sacks is Johnny Dixon. He's a cornerback. Um, Penn State doesn't have a, d- a defensive lineman who has multiple sacks this season. And so I think Chop Robinson is someone who just kind of always is around the ball and always affects the game. And you'll look at his stat line at the end of the game, and it's just like one tackle, one quarterback hit, one tackle for loss. And it feels like he does a lot more. Um, I think if he can consistently get onto the stat sheet, um, I think that can bode well. Similarly with Adisa Isaac, um, he leads the team in tackles for loss with 4.5. So he's been around the ball a lot, but he tore his Achilles uh, last offseason. And so he missed all last year. Uh, and has been coming back and he's talked a lot about learning to trust himself and trying to get back a hundred percent healthy. But I think if Adisa Isaac uh, and Chop Robinson can get off the edge, can get after JJ McCarthy, um, you know, try to force some mistakes from a younger quarterback. Um, I think that that could bode well for Penn state, especially because we haven't really seen Penn, the Penn state pass rush have um, one of those games yet this year. So that's what I'm looking at for the X factor. And then final score, um, I think it's going to be close. I was very surprised to see such a big number um, at seven points, uh, especially given how Penn State has played uh, Big Ten competition in the past. Uh, last year, they lost five games during the regular season. All five of them were by single digits, and the only one that was a two-score game was a nine-point loss to Ohio State. Uh, this was a four-point game last year. So I think Penn State will hang around um, but a big theme with this team this year uh, at a lot of positions, especially the offensive line, is that they have to prove it, um, that you know you don't win these things on paper. You don't win these things with what you're saying in the press conference. You got to go out and show it. Um, and I just don't necessarily trust Penn State right now um, to be able to do it, to be able to go into an environment, hostile environment um, against reigning Big Ten champions, even though a lot is different from last year's team. Um, so I went Michigan 20, Penn State 17. I think it'll be close. Um, I think it'll come down to special teams where Penn State has been a little shaky this year in the kicking game. Um, but I, I see Michigan staying undefeated and uh, Penn State trying to figure out, all right, what is our path moving forward uh, You know, to the top of the Big Ten East after this weekend? Well, Daniel, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your insights. Uh, I think a a lot of very good information here, and I I agree with you. I think it's going to be a very close game. I think these are two uh, very talented teams, both on paper uh, and and that I've shown it uh, throughout this season. Uh, I think uh, with what they've done this year, Penn State uh, going on the road at Auburn, going on the road at Purdue has has two very impressive wins. Uh, They've shown that they can go into – uh, difficult environments and play well and i'm i'm pumped for saturday man uh mm-hmm. that being said for myself alejandro suniga over at the michigan insider da- daniel gallon who covers all things nittany lions over at 24 7 sports uh thank you so much for listening to this episode of behind enemy lines uh much more preview coverage uh over at 24 7 sports and on the michigan insider uh more podcasts uh film breakdowns press conference recaps Uh, everything you could possibly ask for uh, both throughout this week and during the game itself and post game Uh, for myself, for, for Daniel, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We'll catch you next time. Peace.
When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.